secrets. I know about your friends. Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. And just like I promised on Twitter that I would be doing a review of a new Netflix TV show. Um, as sorry, the I, as the chairs creak, because I'm the one 19th with, century chairs. I'm the one in the comfortable chair, and I make my guests in the, old, in the uncomfortable ones because I'm mean like that. And the person who already spoke, can you identify yourself? I am Justin Serlo back again. Yes, Justin is back to help me talk about Jessica Jones, but he's not the only guest on here. A person who has been a guest for a long time on my podcast. Who am I speaking to today? I must be Chris. Yes, you are Chris. Back on the podcast because Jessica Jones was a show of such quality that it forced me to return to the podcast world. Actually, Kilgrave forced me, but we'll get into that. Yes, we'll get into the hypnotic abilities of Kilgrave and several other characters of the show of Jessica Jones. So everybody, cue up your Netflix and get ready to press play on Jessica Jones. <laughs> After the success of Daredevil, they and pretty much like the overnight success of Daredevil, they decided to greenlight other shows they had they had ideas they were gonna do as part of the defenders of the T V universe of those Marvel characters. And Jessica Jones ended up being the first one to go after Daredevil here in November. Now, Justin, when was the first time you heard about the confirmation and that that Jessica Jones was gonna be coming out? Um, I guess it was last spring. Um it was, I think it was right before, maybe around the same time that Daredevil came out, and um, I saw on Facebook David Tennant, um, will star in Jessica Jones series on Netflix coming. At that time, it was scheduled for release early next year, and they were actually had a schedule like moved up the release to November. So I was like, David Tennant in a leading role? I'll give it a shot. And uh, I knew really nothing about Jessica Jones, so I did some research about it right after I heard that they were making a show about it, and I said, Marvel, they've they've done a lot of good things recently. It can't be bad, and it was not bad at all. No, no, no. Overall, it seems to be a really good show. Now, Chris, when did you first hear about Jessica Jones coming to fruition? Well, once Daredevil came out, um, and I had done some... You know, some research into that. 
I had heard, I forgot where I heard, but I heard that there was a whole universe planned for Netflix and, you know, with Jessica Jones and then that eventually spinning off into Luke Cage and then Iron Fist and then, you know, the rest. So I kind of knew that they were setting up a bigger universe at the time um, when I went into Daredevil. So I kept all that in mind and uh, I didn't really do too much research into Jessica Jones per se. Uh, because the fact that when I started Daredevil, I knew next to nothing about Daredevil, and I just went in like oh. that, and I enjoyed the show so much. I was like, I'm going to do the same exact thing. And, um, yeah, so I, I went in pretty much knowing nothing about Jessica Jones other than what I'd seen in the in the previews and stuff like that, and I uh, was really impressed by the previews. So judging off of the quality of Daredevil, I, uh, I went into this show, and I was very, very enthusiastic about it. And I remember... Um... Obviously, after the success of Daredevil and seeing the promos, which they would do like almost like it was his own story with those ads leading all together. Like if you watch them back to back to back, they told its own story during the course of one day. And we got snippets of Jessica's life. And I was curious about it. I'm like, all right, let's see. And I went to YouTube to see if anybody had talked about uh, Jessica Jones, just like. Like, who is Jessica Jones kind of video? And that's what I found. And it broke down the story arc uh, called Alias and written by Bendis, uh, who, and this is part of the Marvel Max line. Marvel's Max was <clears throat> pretty much the brands where they can release R-rated content in comic books. And they probably police themselves and would not do the regular comic association. And so they were able to do more extreme things when it comes to violence and sexual content and they they launched it with alias and it shows and the ideas that or the things that happened during that arc that was explained to this video to me definitely played out throughout this season and i'm like okay so i knew a little bit going in to see what was going to be happening and what should i expect because like because they because it was supposed to be like aka jessica jones and then it was like then it was like it was like just jessica jones i'm like all right they're not too confident with the title i'm like what am i what am i gonna be really getting now justin can you give a little bit of a synopsis of the show to the listeners well basically it's um about jessica jones who is you don't say (laughs) i thought it was about the tooth fairy (laughs) you don't think <laughs> when you think about it, it's really about Kilgrave and how he secretly is Tooth Fairy. Yes. Yes, he's secretly the Tooth Fairy. <clears throat> anyway, it's about a girl. <laughs> Shut up, you idiot. Surrounded by gingers. About a girl. <laughs> Who is, isn't everything about a girl when, when you think about You're it? You're off mic. Bill Terry would not be. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Chris? Bill Terry would not be listening to this, first of all. And if he is, hi, Bill Terry. Are you going to Eric X's wedding? <laughs> that did not take long until we brought Eric X's wedding up in the podcast. Bang. Anyway. Well. Uh, Jessica Jones is in uh, a car accident when she's a teenager. And, shocker, it's a truck filled with radioactive materials she develops super strength and the ability to fly. Well, at least they, they hint at it. Like or, the, you know, jumping really high. Yeah. Like, you know, force jump in, in Star Wars. Pretty much. It's not flying, it's jumping with style. <laughs> Thank you, Buzz. <laughs> buzz, 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 like here's the rescue. Buzz, Buzz. <laughs> anyway. And, um... At one point in her life, 
she meets this man called Kilgrave, and he is another um, gifted person. Gifted person is the word they use, and he has the ability to speak and control anyone. So if if you hear his voice up close and personal at the beginning, and then his powers expand, but we'll get on that mm. as we talk about the show. Uh, you are compelled to do whatever he says. And so Jessica ends up escaping her, uh, ends up escaping his grasp after an untold amount of time. In the comics, I think it was like eight months that she disappeared, but they never they never specified it in the show, I don't think. And then she becomes a private investigator. And how the series starts off is that she's given um, a case to find a missing college student. And it ends up this college girl has been kidnapped by Kilgrave. And that's how the story starts. And at the end of the first episode, she's able to track down Hope, the college girl that was um, kidnapped. And and the reason why her parents, the ones who hired Jessica, is because Kilgrave was in the vicinity of them at the police station and told them to go find Jessica. And so once she realizes she's dealing with Kilgrave, she's like, all right, I'm going to get this girl. I'm going to get my stuff and get out of there because I don't want anything to do with them. Reunites Hope with her parents. And when she's about to leave the building of Jessica's building... She pulls out a gun under duress or under the order of Kilgrave and executes her parents and then le- then releases her. And she has n- she has real no memory of doing that other than the actions like just like on oh, her parents are dead. Now she's now she's com- um, arrested for the murder of her parents. And so Jessica's mission is to release her or and to get Kilgrave's name out there to be convicted of it to prove that he's an actual person who controls minds. And just kind of redeem herself and try and prove that she's a good that Jessica is a good person and that Hope did not do this. Now, Chris, did you knee jerk reaction, first impressions? What did you think of the show once you had finished it? The entire show? Yes. Oh wow. Um, well, all right. How about this? We'll start with episode one. At the end of the episode one, how do you feel? Well, at the end of episode one. Um, I mean, I kind of, kind of knew what they were going for, but when when Hope killed her parents, then I was like, okay, I get it. Wow, I was very taken aback by that. Yes. And then it was like immediately start episode two, just like boom, 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 and I finished the whole thing in less than three days. Um, so it kind of just like Daredevil, the way I did Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, because it really just these the way these episodes end. It's like, all right, there's no fucking way that I'm going and doing this while that's, you know. Going on, while, yeah. It's like, I don't know, you just, it, I was very impressed with uh, with the show in general. I really like it. I'm not sure, as, at the time I'm watching, I'm like, oh, fuck Daredevil, is so much better, it's so much better. And then, you know, when you get your wits about you again, then you're like, oh, no, I, I like them both equally. Because I felt the same way about Daredevil that I felt while I was watching Jessica Jones, which is that I'm watching a really fucking good series. Yes, and I feel like just because it's it's they the creators know it's going to Netflix, so they're like they probably write into the fact that like oh we got to end this show really well because we know people are gonna be like oh I want to see how this situation plays out in some way. Justin, how did you feel after the end of the first episode? 
and how that style of this show was set up in that first episode. I think it, it was a real, one of the best first episodes of any series that I have watched because, you know, probably you're expecting, you know, first episode, it's going to be, you know, a somewhat okay ending. You right. Know, they're not going to, you know, end it on like a really down note at the beginning. And then there was that plot twist where she ends up killing her parents and you're like, oh shit. This just got real. This just got really, very real and quickly. And you'll you 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 almost have to watch the next episode immediately after just to just to find out that really happened. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, we you set up a tone thus far, and then you're like. Everybody feels comfortable, like, all right, this is fine, everything. And then they immediately pull the rug out from me. And that's the first of the rug pullings that happened yeah. throughout the entire and series. there's a lot of them. Yeah, and, and much like Daredevil was, it's not, like, a lot of things are not drawn out that way. Like, if it's if they're going to pull a twist, it's going to be snap, and you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. And you have initial shock, like, reacting to it, like, wait, okay. How's that? That just irrevocably changed everything that's going on with this character right now with that twist, and so I guess we should start with the with with the characters. So let's start with the titular. Whoa! Just on back on the first episode. Yeah. Um. Now I don't know because I thought that was a great first episode, much like Justin did. But I've seen a lot of this. I've seen people saying. I'm watching Je- Jessica Jones. I'm on the first episode. This is so boring. And I just want to know what show these people are watching. I have no idea what they're talking about. That's, that might be anyone who says that. Uh, I can't, I can't they've got to be drunk. I keep seeing this. I, I saw it the other day from someone whose opinion on many things I am very much uh, in line with. And, I, and, and he said, oh, 20 minutes into Jessica Jones. This might be the quickest I've ever hand-waved a series. I'm like, what? It's like, ridiculous. Like, I, do you just not, like, did you not know it was, like, a comic book show? Like, do you not like these type of things? Like, do you didn't, I it's, don't. It's, like, first episode is, you have to introduce a lot. And you, it's a lot of backstory to tell. So how is it boring? Yeah, because, like, it, and as long as the character is interesting enough, you're just like, all right, I'll go with this. I mean, like, think about Arrow open with him on the island. You see the Deathstroke match, and he shoots the first arrow and lights the the uh, pile of wood on fire. You're like, oh, okay. Gotham opens up. We see Bruce Wayne's parents get killed again. Sure, we've seen it before, but it's like, huh. All right, so we're starting out with the bang. Same thing with the Flash. It opens up with Barry's mother being murdered in front of him and him being transported out of the house. And you're like, okay, I got to see how this is going to go. They, Especially with TV, knows how to start really well, and... I don't understand why somebody didn't like the opening, or at least the first episode. Because like, I was hooked after the first episode. A lot of people. This seems to be a very polarizing series. Uh, compared to Daredevil. I didn't was, see. I, I barely saw any criticism of Daredevil when no. it came out. Yeah. This seems to be so. I don't, and I don't know whether it's. I think a lot of people seem to take issue with this perceived. Oh, it's got to be edgy. And she, she's got to be, you know, this hard drinking, foul mouth, you know super strong independent female like and i I didn't i never never at any point during the series did that like enter my mind of what i was watching whereas like 
with leading, everything leading up to Supergirl was like, oh, well, she's strong, a strong, independent she's, woman. She's a strong female character, and she's this, and she's that, and, she's, and that, they beat you over the head with it there. But Jessica Jones, never once did that even, like, occur to me during w- watching the series, and that, and that it's mainly a female-dominated show when you think about it. It doesn't even occur to me. I think some people are just looking for, for things to just criticize. No, I, I like the fact, I mean, you know, look, there needs to be more characters on TV like Jessica Jones, you know, people, especially females who aren't going to take shit from anyone, yeah. especially males. And I, and I love like the, one of the promos from it, it was like her at the bar, like putting on bad reputation and you see everybody on the, on the barroom floor beaten up and we just see her like no problem, just walk through it, just washes her hands. And finishes a shot of whiskey, and you're just like, okay, we know she's going to be a tough character. But it wasn't like, I am woman, hit me roar. She's like, I'm just a tough character. I just happen to be female. That's just who she is. Like, I don't know. It didn't – and that type of stuff usually does kind of like stick out like a sore thumb to me. And I didn't get it. It felt very genuine. I thought Kristen Ritter did a very good job portraying the character. And it's one of those things like, you know, first episode, boom, I love this character. Yes. Love the main character, so I'm good. Rest of the season, I'll go on whatever adventure that they're taking me on. I don't know where the... Because I, I, I understand different... You know, people have different tastes. Of course. But, like, I just don't get it how you could watch the first episode. Especially the first episode. You watch it to the end. You watch the whole thing and then say, that's ah, boring. Especially since, like, we've seen, like, the glimpses of Kilgrave throughout the first episode. And you're like... Yeah. Hey, and like it's it follows the first for, the formula of Daredevil that we do not see him fully until the third episode, which is something I love about what how they do these these shows. And I'm just like, I'm, and like it was one of those things that frustrated me. Like, oh, like I, I want him now. Like it was, I was craving him at that point, and it was just like I wish that like and we see the glimpses of him like in her flashbacks, and then we see him take over that one family and that one apartment, and you're just like, and you're just like, okay. It's going to be so worth it, and it's just like one of those things we see him from behind at first, and then when we finally get to see him face to face, he's just watching a rugby match, and he's like, they do it in slow motion because they know this is a big event. But since we're on, like people are criticizing, or at least some people criticizing Jessica Jones, let's start with her as a character and Kristen Ritter's performance. Justin, how would you feel about her performance within this show? You know, the only other thing I had seen Kristen Ritter in before this was Breaking Bad. Yes, as Jesse's girlfriend, and she. Yeah, that character was just like, you know, sort of like this deadbeat drug addict. Um, Was a former drug addict, but then relapsed. Right. And I don't know. I I always thought of her as like, not the best character in Breaking Bad. So like, I don't know. I I knew her... That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm looking at her name like, she, is she John Ritter's daughter? Because I know he's got a son in the business. I know I knew her well enough, but like what I had seen her in, mm-hmm. you know, it could have gone either way for me. Like I could say, oh, maybe she'll be really good in this. Maybe she'll be just okay. My sister, who watched more, um, who has watched more, uh, movies that she's been in, right? Um, didn't really like her that much, so that's why she didn't watch Jessica Jones. Um, but you know, I was pleasantly surprised with how 
good this role seemed for her. Mm-hmm. I don't like her now that she's not related to John Ritter. <laughs> yeah, we, I open up a new tab. And I'm just like, is is because I know John Ritter has several children and stuff like that, but no, he's not. She's not related to John Ritter, which is kind of disappointing. Because I was fully planning on uh, us making that discovery and then singing the Three's Company theme song. We can still sing, sing the Three Company. Knock on our door. door. Da, 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 da. We've, We've been, been waiting, waiting for, for you. you. And you got the thing and the thing, and the guy pulls out the bike. Three's uh, Company, too. <laughs> Well, now that we sang it, I think <laughs> I think your quota is filled there, even though she's not related to him. And your feelings on her performance to this series? Her hair seemed a lot bigger than the proportion of her face. She does have a really small face. She has a very small face, doesn't she? And her hair just like... Very poofy. It makes it look like somebody shrunk part of her face but kept the hair at the same dimensions. <laughs> Other than that, I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. Even though it seems like she never changed that of that one pair of jeans. Which I enjoyed. Because, listen, technically you're not even supposed to wash jeans that often. No. You spot, you know, you spot clean, you know, you, you get a couple used out. Of course, she went a whole series. Yeah. With the same pair of jeans, I'm assuming. Same pair of jeans. She did switch up the jacket, though, which was, you know, which was nice. I like her, I like her sense of style. Yeah. You know, I think. Despite Kilgrave's uh, criticisms of her style. Well. He's just being a prick. Of course. What a prick. But no, I, I could see a lot of girls, because a lot of girls do dress like that. But That's I true. See, I could see now that becoming, like, the look. Yes. Like, the Jessica Jones thing. I wonder, we're probably going to see if, like, next, whatever convention I go to next, I bet you I'll see a few Jessica Jones and oh, Kilgrave. by too. far. Because it's probably, they could just go in their closet and... and there you go. That's that's the costume. That's how it was pretty much for me when I went to Shaun, Shaun the Dead for Comic-Con. I was like, got a shirt, threw some blood on, and put some gel in my hair. I'm like, there we go. Now, all the girls are going to, if they really want to be accurate, screen accurate, they got to shrink their faces. <laughs> um, is there a pill you can take? <laughs> I wish there was a pill. Uh, well, pills and superheroes is something I'm going to bring up uh, with a joke when it comes with another character later Pressing on. Out pills. Pre- pressing out pills. And your, and your feelings on her performance overall? Uh, I was impressed by her performance. The the only really like cringy things for me with her were sometimes the uh, the voiceover, you know, the narration. Some of the some of the dialogue was just a little bit like hand fisted. Eh, okay, like we could have done without this. Gotcha. I can I can you know I can in you know infer what you are trying to accomplish with it. You know, it's not Mr. Robot. All right, we, we where the narration is is so crucial. Um, have you seen Mr. Robot? I have not yet. You got this as the best show on TV. I know, and I and I know that I I should watch it, and such. Justin, your feelings on the voiceover? It was strange. It was kind of like how the first couple of episodes of Arrow have that voiceover. It does. Oh my yeah. god! I totally forgot about that. And it's. I want to say it feels out of place in. A comic book story where pretty much, you know, it everything otherwise is known. Like, without the voiceovers, you could probably get a pretty good sense of what Jessica Jones is thinking at that moment. Yeah, and it's like, I know it's like Private Detective, and that's kind of like a staple of Private like Detective a, shows. Yeah, it's like a film noir type thing. Yeah, and especially... And that's what they were going for with this. As well as, like, certain comic book, like, look at so many Spider-Man comics and the Spider-Man 90s TV show... He never shuts up talking to himself. Like it's almost like he has a, he likes having conversations with himself. And uh, there was a joke I thought of myself. I was thinking, I'm like, oh, that's kind of funny. It's kind of like Spider-Man just constantly talking to himself and just trying to keep himself sane. And my feelings on her performance, I thought she was 
fantastic, and I thought it was great casting on her part. It was only like one or two moments that like one or two lines that I was looking at her. And I'm like, I can see you acting, and like, oh, it makes like maybe that was not just. I mean, it was like the only take they had of that scene or that at least that line delivery. Other than that, I thought she was fantastic in the show. And I can't wait till season two to see what she's going to do next. And moving on from Jessica Jones to the main villain, Kilgrave, played by David Tennant. Justin, your feelings on his performance? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's David Tennant. So, I mean, and he's got his English accent, which... I don't know. I never read the comic book, so I don't know if he was English. I think he's actually like in that. I, I think he's like because David Tennant really is Scottish. Scottish, and no, when, I, I don't know if see, if you've seen Broadchurch, but he uses his natural accent in that. I think he's from like Eastern Europe or something like that. Um, Croatia, Croatia, Croatia. So. Yeah, really far away from English and stuff okay. like that. Okay, so, um, but yeah, he was he was great. I mean, he was the reason why I wanted to watch the show, and I mean, I, I wasn't disappointed at all. So, and it feels like some, at least one or two. Maybe I wonder if it was written into the script this way, but like when he would play the Doctor Who, when like ever he would say, "Well," he'd really wow. like he really hold on to it, like "Well," and I wonder. If that was kind of like they wrote that into the script, or that's just like how he delivers that line during that scene. I wonder if that was the writers were self aware, or the people on set, which is like, can you do it like this? One of one of my favorite scenes with him is when he first meets Jessica Jones in that flashback scene, right? And he goes, "Wow, oh, it really how noble you of you!" And noble it, it is of Donna Noble, Donna Noble from Doctor Who. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> just like that, just yes. like that noise. <laughs> no wonder. Maybe it's a good thing we all watched it separately because yeah. I think we probably just kill each other. Uh, by the if, if you had watched it with me, I, I probably would not be speaking here tonight. Cause I'd be dead. Well, the the myriad of puns and just terrible jokes. But when I was setting up the mic, so I was like, I was contemplating strangling with an XLR cable and this being a two person podcast would have been an XL and idea. I'm good. I'm good. No. Chris, you have the mic now. <laughs> I do have the mic now. Come in, knock on our door. Da, 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 da. So where were we? The Purple Man. The Purple Man. I didn't know the Joker was in this. Uh, zing. No, you know, I don't know anything about David Tennant. Um, I don't know anything about Kilgrave for that fact either. Um, I just know that uh, he kind of, for some reason, reminds me of David Beanstalk. You know, Which only the two of you get. Oh my god, I felt the same thing. David Barry. Did I just ruin this actor for you? Yes. yes Tim. Tim. Tim Tim looks like he's just been like compelled to do something really strange by Kilgrave. Uh, oh, damn it. Did I just ruin him for you? I, it, I'll be fine until I listen to back this a couple days from now while David I'm at work. David Barry. But yeah, I mean, I thought this guy was this this guy was top notch at at being a prick. Um, and by that, I mean David Barry. Um, but uh, but David Tennant wasn't bad either as as Kilgrave. No, he was. Here's the thing. I com- immediately compared him to Wilson Fisk in terms of how I felt about him as the top villain. And with Wilson Fisk, I actually kind of liked Wilson Fisk. Yeah, I was like, oh. 
Yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's really not that bad. He's, he's he's like a big fluffy guy, you know. He's, he's he has his he has his issues. So does everybody. Yeah, we just don't decapitate people with car doors. With this guy, uh-huh. Kilgrave, uh-huh. I was like, no, fuck that guy, fuck <laughs> no, that guy, fuck him, fuck him. You know what we say? We, we say, say this. this. We hold the middle finger. But I I was absolutely captivated from the first time that we see like the back of his head. I was like. This guy's, this guy's, wow. And how he said Jessica, too, and how he enunciated Jessica, I don't know why. He, was so... oh, he's, he's the creepiest fuck of all time. Especially the flashback with the buffs crash, like, Jessica! And, <laughs> no, Jessica! I, see, that's my favorite thing that he does, and I love that they replay that, like, 17 times throughout <laughs> the series, because I, I love that line. And it's, Okay, I was kind of confused by this, with the bus flipping. Now, was that just the bus driver just cutting the wheel? Or was that, like, I felt like something hit it, like a force hit it, and that's why he didn't hit him with the full force. No, it was when, um, when Jessica finds, oh, no, when, not when Jessica, when, um, Luke finds the bus driver. Right. He says, no, I flipped because I tried to avoid her body. So he cut the wheel. To avoid Luke Cage's wife, Cage's okay. wife, and that's how he flipped and hit Kilgrave. Right, um, because it was like one of those weird moments because he faces the bus and then it seems like it stops with everything and then he doesn't get the full impact of it hitting him, but it does knock him out of frame and everything like that. So that's why I thought like maybe he has another power and he doesn't doesn't know it. And I thought that was gonna come back and play at the end. And his performance of it, like, well, he has those. I thought they were going to try and do like Wilson Fisk 2.0 where he has those kind of sincere moments and a, almost a shred of humanity there. But then there are moments where stab yourself every time, every year you're gone abandoning me and you're just like, oh, oh, oh. like, you no, know, he, he needs to die. I am sorry. And it's one of those things that like, I think like actors love playing villains cause they get to do whatever they want. And he definitely seemed like he just relished the fact that he gets to be a villain in this. And compared to him being a doctor who, where he was kind of like one of the nicer doctors, he had his dark moments, but he was pretty much like, Hey, I could bring him home to meet my family. This person you want, didn't want him in the same state as your family. No. I, I, and I think one of the funnier tweets I've seen about his performance was some doctor who fan Complaining, no, this show has ruined David Tennant for me and the Doctor. Because now it just seems like they're all like his kidnapped people. All his companions are kidnapped. Oh, his companions kidnapped. Are, ki- are just kidnapped and mind controlled? <laughs> yeah. Oh, now that's kind of funny. Now I have to think about that now. And now I've also ruined David Tennant for you by telling you it looks like David David Beans, uh, and I'm just like David, David Barry now. and David Tennant. Well. <laughs> and I love that moment where... Where Jessica's on the roof, looking through like the um, uh, the win- like the uh, the roof uh, uh, windows, and seeing him watch the rugby match. The skylight. The skylight. No, I'm sorry, I couldn't I couldn't think of the word to describe it now. And he's watching r- rugby. I'm just like seeing the use the word twat, and I'm just like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I don't think I've ever heard him say that. That's that's all right. I got I I, I got to take that in. And then when he finally stands up, we see him face to face, and you're just like. Oh my god, we're finally got this big showdown and then he disappears. We don't see him for like another episode and a half at that point. I have to ask you this. Did you like the fact that he used his English accent and by doing so, ma'am, sound 
more like the doctor? Or would you have rather him just speak in a Scottish accent? Well, that's a good question because the Scottish accent, because I feel like if he's putting, if he's putting effort into being English, then he's putting more effort into every line he's delivering. Right. So I feel like everything that he's, and he says he has to think about every word painstakingly before he says it because he doesn't want to get anything carried away carried away when he wants an honest answer he doesn't want a yes man which is pretty much the rest of his congregation whoever he runs into so i think i would prefer to him to be in his english accent as well as there's nothing there's nothing scarier than any british actor like look at alan rickman in the harry potter's a die hard or anything like that so Maybe just English accents are scary. I hope all my friends overseas just don't hear this and just like send me angry emails about that. Um, he's not purple until the, near the very end of the season. Like we see, he wears purple and stuff like that. Right. And when he starts getting his extra, he's building up his powers. You see him like get angry and angry and see like his purple is gonna like take over his entire skin. Do you feel like they should have done that kind of like how Daredevil had his suit at the end? Do you think he should have been full on purple or they should have done just did what they did instead? I think, yeah, I think in especially in this sort of, you know, realistic universe that uh, Marvel is, is going for. Mm-hmm. I think if you had someone appear, you know, completely purple, it would shatter your suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, definitely when he was getting injected and then turning purple. That was a good fit. Yeah. But I think if, like, could you imagine that whole final episode and those last 15 minutes if he were actually purple? But also, I have to take into the fact like, that we... Would s- you really be, would you be able to watch it and that, like... <laughs> not not Snicker? Yeah. But I've also t- seen a guy take a buzzsaw to his his uh, hip and the bus saw break and him punch through a uh, 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 city bus. So, and it's okay. Sidebar was something I, I thought of. Now you look at the Marvel movies and they're mostly, they're, they're meant for the whole family. They have their yeah. darker moments, but they're meant for the whole family. Then you look at the TV shows, Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and they're definitely aimed to a more adult audience. And then you look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, wait, you don't look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Nobody because nobody wants that to watch sucks. that. But then you look at DC. Their movies are trying to be super serious with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Then you look at the TV shows like Arrow and Flash having their serious moments, but yet Flash being the lighthearted um, flagship of the CW universe. I just find that you feel like Marvel's going out of their way. Like, all right, we get to be edgier or trendy, gritty word to be part of this. I don't think... That it's, um, I don't think it's their intention. Okay. But you, you you have to look at the source material too. Jessica Jones, definitely a more adult themed uh, comic book. Yes. So just by definition, the definition, the show is going to be more risque. Right. Is she that much of a drinker in the comics? Yes. Okay. And, like, they, like, go into further, like, like, she cannot feel anything, like, like, kind of like any emotion. That's why when she runs into Luke Cage in the comics, she says, you can do anything to me in bed. And she's like, anything? And, like, anything. So, anything goes, as one would say, when, when it comes to their bedroom antics, which they do play out, but it doesn't seem like it's more, 
in the comics, it seems like as an extension of her addiction. It doesn't seem like that in the TV show. She actually seems like she's having fun in the midst of their coitus. Does she ever eat? I don't see her eat. I, it's a liquid diet with the entire. Oh, wait, series. was she eating some banana bread at one point? That's the only. That's the only time I ever saw her eat was when Ruben brought her some banana bread. That's true. She like, and like we've like seen her pass like a bunch of other like street vendors and stuff like that. One street vendor gets a coffee cup in his face. So I kind of felt bad for that one dude. Yeah, that poor guy. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I said I took a video of that and sent it to Vicky. I'm like, yeah, so this is what David Tennant's like the entire series. I'm like, maybe. I should wait until the end of the series and see if you still want to watch it or not, depending on the feelings on it. Now, as we mentioned, people like like, like Ruben, let's talk to the people that are part of the apartment building that's with Jessica Jones. Let's start with her closest neighbor, Malcolm. Justin, what are your feelings on Malcolm, the four, who we believe to be a drug addict in the first half of the series? It was, it was really good what they did with his character because you're introduced to him, I think... In the opening minutes of the show, right after that whole um, montage scene with um, her private investigating, she goes back home. She sees um, Malcolm in her kitchen. In her yes, just like completely hungover, and you don't really know if like that's her roommate or like if it's just some stranger. And then immediately you're like. Oh, this guy is just like some strung out person. Strung listened, out person who lives in the apartment building. Yeah, and it's like one of those things. Like, is he just going to be like the the comic relief for it? It seems like they set him off to be like he's going to be the punchline to a lot of dark things that are going to happen to it. And it's like he's the levity for the show, and it goes on to be not that. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, I I, I definitely uh, agree with that. You know. Because whenever, like, whenever they cut back to Jessica's apartment, there he was, like, you know, trying to do something else that's crazy, you know, or like he's hungover again or, you know, needs a fix. Right. I initially thought that he was just going to be just that, like, the comic relief. But then there was, a, like, there was a specific moment in an episode early on where I was like, all right, he's going to be. He's gonna be something definitely bigger, and then I think later that episode is when she found out that it was him taking the picture. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't realize that he would play such an integral part into uh, into the the whole the whole series. But I liked him. Uh, I think he's the one guy on the show that I liked the most out of everyone. Uh, More I, than Luke Cage and such. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Well, when we talk about Luke, you know, I guess we'll get to that, but. I saw this quote, um, I forgot who, who wrote it. it. was I saw it somewhere on Twitter. I think it's from a review, and it was like, in, in Jessica Jones, females get things done while males just talk about females, or something to that effect. And I was like, you know, that's very true, except for Malcolm, because I feel like he was very... Uh, proactive. He was very proactive, especially at the end and with the, with the Kilgrave support group and everything like that, um, and he played a big role into it. So uh, I liked Malcolm. Yeah, and I feel like that and I love his introduction like we were saying that like he's like pretty much passed out resting against Jessica's uh refrigerator and when she walks into her kitchen she's like and he's like what are you doing in my kitchen? You're in my kitchen. She replies. He's like, "Oh, I just want some peanut butter." And he's holding a butter knife that would let like, dry peanut butter on it and stuff like that and like, "Okay." It makes sense, and he starts, and he becomes like the first part of the motley crew that's trying to stop Kilgrave along with Jessica. 
And Jessica! Jessica! <laughs> oh, Jessica! <laughs> I like how they... I like the reasoning for why they played that over and over again. Yeah, it wasn't just like that. It was, not, it was, it was like, not... "Hey, look at David Tennant, really funny in slow motion." Yes, exactly. I get to see him in the editing room. Like, you want to see him at eight hundred percent? Yeah. No, Jessica. And it's like, all right, we should get work done. Yeah. Um, and it's like one of those things that, like, when when we find out that he's that he's under Kilgrave's um, control, and then. He has a chance to like Jessica makes him cold turkey by uh, handcuffing him to one of the bathroom pipes and gives him the drugs to see if he can kick it on his own. That if he's actually a good person or he is just like the self fulfilling prophecy, 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 hip hop anonymous and pronunciation, but hegemony. (laughs) And he kicks he kicks the the drug monkey and becomes integral part of helping her. Especially at the end, because he's kind of like the moral compass for Jessica throughout the rest of the series. Especially mm-hmm. after one of the characters who we'll bring up, since he's part of the the apartment complex, and the situation that happens to him, and as well as I like the fact that he's the one that was getting jumped at the beginning in the flashback that Jessica saves when she meets Kilgrave in the first place. I thought that was a really nice thing just to keep it. But you could argue that's kind of convenient, and there are certain character meeting conveniences which we'll get in later. Now, let's talk about the twins that live upstairs. Ruben and Robin, the fraternal twins that can't be separated. You th- you figured they were like identical twins. Like now, that's- those are two characters that I thought were just going to be comic relief throughout the entire series. But no, they, they, they become part of a linchpin in some of the plots later on. Yeah. And how would you describe Ruben and Robin to the audiences, Justin? Um... The Lannisters. Well, I don't know Game of Thrones, and neither does Chris. We're looking at you with these perplexed looks because I'm like we're two of the like the only people on the face of the earth who do not watch it. Now, now I can't think of the sister's name from Game of Thrones, and it's annoying me. I'm sorry, <clears throat> but Robin and Reuben seem like the, the they're like I was saying the twins that live upstairs above Jessica. At first, we just hear them arguing and things getting shuffled around upstairs. Kind of like what's going on right now. My dad just came home. So Chris looking up the ceiling at the creaky floors that happened upstairs. I noticed that. Um, and you feel like, oh, it's just you think it's just like a couple having sex or something like that really loud. Anybody who's living in the college dorm or anything like that knows that feeling. And it gets to the point that Jessica is like, all right, fine, enough of this. She goes upstairs to yell at them. Then you find out they're brother and sister and you're like, what? Yeah. yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, they're just arguing. And then Ruben, who's this nice person who takes uh, has a affection towards Jessica, has no – he has no backbone of his own. That's Robin pretty much dictating everything to him. Not saying that Robin's a bad character or anything like that or I wouldn't say – I wouldn't say she's incredibly selfish. She has selfish tendencies but definitely means well in the end. But definitely became like one of those things that whenever you dealt with them, you're like, oh, God, we got to deal with her with them again. But I think by the end and what happens to Ruben, because Ruben at one point goes to Jessica's apartment and Kilgrave is there. And then Kilgrave asks him, like makes him ask, tells him, like, why are you here? Oh, because I love Jessica. And so Kilgrave makes him kill himself in Jessica's bed. And Robin finds out and that becomes to be a threat at the end of the season. And Chris, what are your feelings on those two? I didn't like them. Not at all? 
No, every time they were on my screen, I was just kind of like, all right, okay. All right. Oh, it's all implied incest. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's good stuff. That's Sex has a lot to do with this Netflix, series. Netflix, yeah. Woo. <laughs> but I was never, <clears throat> I was never really, uh, never really compelled by anything involving them. When the one guy died, I was like, great, let's kill the sister now. <laughs> Just go upstairs, kill Grave. Cool. But that didn't happen. Um, and she would annoy us for a couple episodes more, which, you know. Whatever. I mean, it wasn't a deal breaker for me, or it didn't ruin the series for me. I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't like them. But it did make me want some banana bread. Um, and it gets to the point where that Jessica has subdued Kilgrave for the third time in the series at this point, and the support group of all the people that are found that have had run-ins with um, Kilgrave decide. Jessica's the reason why Kilgrave is doing this. We should go and kick the shit out of her. So they go to her, her apartment to uh, to stop her with uh, Robin with two by four in hand, cracks Jessica across the head, realizes there's a man unconscious on the floor, goes to revive him and wake him up, not realizing this is the person who, mur- who made her brother murder himself, and then gets herself put in a situation where she's going to die. And, shot- and because of that, Hope dies. Sorry, spoilers. If anybody's noticed, this is a spoiler podcast. Spoilers. Spoilers, which will come will come up later. And it's just like one of those things like, oh, God. At this point, you're like, she has to die just for penance for screwing up like that. But she doesn't. And she, we do realize that she does have heart and feels bad when, like, Malcolm brings her out to this one dock. And she's like, why the hell are we here? Because, like, your brother's just a few feet down that way underwater being nibbled on by fish. I'm a Pisces, you know, fish together in infinity. And it's like, that was really implied incest there. Yeah. That's why I was just like, like should have pushed her in. Just you want it so bad. Push her in the water. She's a prick moving, (laughs) moving on. Let's talk about Trish. And every time they said Trish, I kept thinking of Trish, uh, Trish Stretch. I'm having a tro- trouble pronunciating tonight now. It's a problem when you're podcasting. Yes, yeah, so, uh, my uh, communication skills break down, even though this is a communication medium. I don't know why. I always thought of Trish Stratus whenever I said her name. I'm like, ah. Oh. Because they have the same name? Yeah. It was really that one-to-one comparison. There's nothing else to connect them. It was just the name. Because Trish is a name that you don't run into that often. I don't know that many Patricias. Although there was a, there was a deleted scene where she does the stratisfaction onto onto Simpson when he's trying to attack her, but they <laughs> they wanted to cut. They didn't really want to beat you over the head with it. They felt I think they'll they, I think they'll get the Trish Stratus connection. Yes. that's what they said. I'm really glad you said. Well, he was trying to attack her instead of some other things that they did in the series. Yes. But let's talk about Trish. Yeah. Oh, but whoa. Like, fastest, like, I'm assaulting you and nearly killing you to we are having sex ever in anything. Yes. I mean, I mean, that's pretty. Like, pretty... it doesn't work like that. Usually it's the other way around. I know he apologized and you had that kind of heart to heart, like, candlelight conversation and stuff like that. And they immediately <laughs> with, jump... a, with a gun pointed to an intercom system and then suddenly they're they're on a first date. No, they didn't even, I don't think they even jumped. Well, they, 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 that, that's, you can kind of consider the first date. Then they... Like, like, yeah, like basically having the first date conversation right right then and there. Yeah. Like, that was just like, okay. Oh, well. It, I mean, it worked. Yeah, but like, okay, let's... That's something I want to address. Sex in this series. Do you think it went too far? Have you watched Game of Thrones? No. Well, 
okay, Game of Thrones is one of the selling factors of that show. I mean, like you can from what I, from what I've heard, you can have a really lame episode, but they throw in a few sex scenes. Like most people will not complain. Oh no, the, the, even recently the episodes have still been lame. Oh, that's that's even terrible. That yeah. even a pair of boobs would not like entertain you and stuff like that. Like there's well, here's the difference between say Daredevil and like uh, Jessica Jones and uh, you know like a Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You know they're obviously show the sex scenes in Jessica Jones, but you don't actually see any nudity. No. I was supposed to Game of Thrones, which is just like full on. Everything is out there. Yes, and that's also one of my criticisms of that show. Is a lot like a lot of people are saying you should watch Game of Thrones. I'm like, why? Because there's boobs in. It. I'm like, I can watch Lord of the Rings and then watch porn, and then I that's I, exactly. I don't have to have a subscription. I don't have a girlfriend. Yeah, I don't have. I don't need a subscription to HBO to really get to you get. Right. Yeah, exactly. I just, and I'm just like, why should I do that? But anyway, I, I, Game of Thrones versus other TV series like will be coming up podcast soon. If not that, it would be Walking Dead versus Breaking Bad, which is something that I know you wanted to talk about. Um, so back to Jessica Jones with the explicit nature of the sex scenes. Did they go too far? I mean, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Compare it. I'll make another comparison within Netflix. Um, House of Cards. Yes. Pretty much, I would say pretty much the same thing as House of Cards, where there is, you know, sex scenes, but like... Tamed. Tamed down, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, like there is some, like, nudity the, in House, House of Cards, but... It's not like somebody's walking like full frontal, like from one frame to the other, like every few minutes or anything right. like that. Um, I think in Jessica Jones, the sex scenes were more extended than they were in House of Cards, but I wouldn't say it was any, you know, any worse. I want to say no. I mean, like there was one comedic effect of Luke Cage and Jessica having sex, which was was quite funny because they tear her apart, her apartment apart. Yes, and to me, the Jessica and Luke scenes actually had... A purpose. A, a story purpose and a character purpose because at first they don't know each other. They don't know, you know, he doesn't know that she she has Abilities. powers. And, and, and just the whole thing of, oh, I won't break. Oh, you will. And then the, compared to the next time... When they're having the super powered sex and then the bed breaks. Yes. And then and then they, they're like understanding each other more. So like that served the purpose. I could see why it was there. Maybe it could have been cut down a little bit. But then again, when you have Simpson and Trish, it's like, all right, you could have just like shown him like walking out of her bedroom in his boxers. You don't really need this, but Yeah, you don't need like his head underneath the sheets and stuff like that. It's like, all right, okay, we know they just had sex and stuff like, or in the midst of it, like we get it. But then, like, the one scene that really bothered me that I thought was kind of unnecessary is that Jerry is in her apart, in her back in her office after being attacked uh, by her her wife, and her wife is murdered by her Jerry's girlfriend, saved by Jerry's girlfriend. And they had that one they have that one moment where like Jerry's hand travels somewhere, and you're just like, oh, um, I guess this scene wasn't going anywhere, so you need. To spruce this up somehow and like it's i don't remember that yeah and i'm just like it was just one of those things that was really out of left field and stuff like that that i thought was unnecessary because maybe it's because we haven't seen like jerry in an episode and a half at that point then she just comes in 
Plays I'm with still a lesbian. I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> just let you know. Like and then like plays with her over and then just like oh, I'm giving you an ultimatum. If you don't do this, I'm leaving you. Bye. And then walks away. And I'm like, all right, because I need to know about that relationship and where that was going. Okay. And it was just one of those things that just kind of I thought was a slightly unnecessary. But back to Trish. Um, your feelings on her. You know, I liked her a lot more than I thought I would. Really? Because at first I was like, all right, she's just going to be, you know, the whatever best friend, probably a damsel in distress at some point, whatever. I don't know. I wasn't expecting much. You expecting Felicity? I, well, no, I, listen, you never expect Felicity. Right? <laughs> You never expect Felicity. Um, I didn't think anybody on this show was going to be that level of irritating. But no, I, I didn't expect to like her as much as I did. And then I didn't realize that I liked her as much as I did up until Kilgrave saying, Trish, put a bullet in your head. At which I was like, no! You're like, <gasps> and then I was like, oh, thank God. And then she actually does, like, she just puts a bullet in her mouth like this bullet's yeah. in my head. Because when, when, she, when she goes and pulls the trigger, you're like, <gasps> click. Oh. So the fact that that was that big of a relief to me, whereas if she was just whatever, I would have just been like, huh. But that actually, it was like, you know, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed her. I don't know whether it was the actress who played her did a good job or whether it was, I think the character was actually pretty cool. Like she like held her own, I thought. That she wanted to help, but she doesn't have, if she had Jessica's powers, she would have done a lot more. Yet Jessica has the powers and then she's really, she doesn't do much with them. Like, she's like, you should become a superhero and you should be named Jewel. Like, strippers are named Jewel. And that's, like, what, what she was called in the comics at one point was Jewel. So I thought that was really funny. Which I thought that was going to be at the end. Like, how do you know it's me? Not saying I love you. I thought you say, my name is Jewel. I thought that would be the, the code word at the end. I'm like, ah, oh, that, oh, that would could real. have been too, yeah. I, I wish it was that. But I was like, ah, oh, okay, I can live with that. But, but yeah, I, I thought... Um... I thought that Trish was like, I think if you took her out of this show, like it would, there would have been a hole in there. Yes. Whereas like for a, a character like her and maybe a similar show or something like that, you could pretty well write them out and it wouldn't, wouldn't make that much of a difference. But I, I, I thought she was very, uh, she was very important. Uh, it, at some points I thought she was cooler than Jessica. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like some of the actions she's done, like the one moment that I thought, which like I, I I should have been mad at, but I really enjoyed because of the payoff. Is that when she's talking? To, she's she's uh, like the most popular uh, morning time DJ in New York City. See, she calls out Kilgrave on the radio, and he calls in as a response. And yeah. you have that monologue that he has over the air, and then she realizes the gravity of the situation she's in. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then she realizes, oh, I screwed up. I'm gonna have to be on my I'm going to have to be on my toes. And that's why she attacks one of her fans in the lobby on accident. Justin, your feelings on her? She is a good character. A good, um, I guess, sidekick. Uh, but really a best friend. Um, and that's something that this show needed. Because, you know, you have Jessica and she's all, you know, for most of the show. In fact, I think at one point she says, people everywhere are assholes. Yeah. So, and it, I think if she had a choice, she also says if she had a choice of saving a life or killing Kilgrave, she would choose to 
to kill someone rather than save a bunch of people's lives. Right. And I feel like that's part of the theme because I was trying to think what the theme because control obviously is a theme that runs prevalent throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. Whether it be Robin controlling Ruben, her um Jessica's addictions controlling her or Kilgrave literally controlling everybody. But I'm also thinking of like Malcolm has a speech of like I was raised that there's good in everybody and then everybody can do something well while Robin has a really cynical saying like everybody's assholes and everybody's looking out for themselves. And I'm like, all right, is this the, then I guess that's supposed to be like the point of like all those people fighting on a dock at the end of the series. Are we just mindless people who are willing to hurt each other? Or are we actually good natured people? And I think Trish is there to meant to show that we are good people. We're, we have the, the opportunity to be good, but we just need the right perspective or something like that. I know, Chris. You mentioned before that you thought Ma- that you thought Malcolm was the moral compass of this series, but early on, it really is Trish. Before we find out that Malcolm is under his control, is under Kilgrave- Kilgrave's control. Trish is the one, you know, telling Jessica, "Stay in contact with me if there's anything you need to know. Just don't go out there by yourself. You need to have." you know, people around you. And I think that definitely helps Jessica's character early on transition from, you know, someone who's completely alone into someone who ends up, you know, forming this team to help stop Kilgrave. Exactly, because without Trish, Jessica's just an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. everybody on the and show... And she miss it. Everybody on the show is an asshole except for Trish and Malcolm. Like, literally everybody on the show is an asshole except for them. And... Even the detective. Yeah, uh, like everybody on the show is an asshole except for those two. Um, and and I think the, the sad thing is, like, even even those people are, are damaged in certain ways. Like, you know, Trish had past drug issues and, and Malcolm was turned into a junkie, you know. Right. Was an otherwise, I'm assuming, upstanding guy. Yeah. Turned into a junkie. But... It comes around, and they're you know they're the two they good, shades of good gray. people. They're in, not like just like oh we are just good natured people. We're just when it's not black and white. Everybody has a shade yeah, of gray on. Them. Everybody has something wrong with it. But like in terms of just character, I think those are the two people on the show that just aren't assholes because everyone else is. Well, you kind of needed that because otherwise it'd be like at one point I'm sitting here and I'm just like I'm if I if I watch this all in one day I'd feel really depressed by the end of it because yeah. it, it, it's crushing. It, yeah. It's one of those things that like. They put it up there for you to watch, like binge watch it, but I think it's one of those things you, it should be like, all right, you need to do in doses. That's why I did it in two big doses, one Tuesday night and one today. And by the end of it, I was like, I need to go outside and see the sun for a little bit because I just need something to help me cleanse me of this kind of darkness that was there. And I love like the moment where Trish, like you think like, oh, is she like in an abusive relationship? Like, no, she's just being, she's just training herself to be not being, controlled by anybody that's why she has the self-defense classes like class, that private session and just she's becoming more and more driven by it and uber paranoid with her like safe of an apartment panic room included but you know for especially a high profile person in the media i mean that stuff is real you know stalkers are real yes all sorts of listen as someone who works in radio myself i've seen friends have issues like that so i i totally got that right off the bat Mm -hmm. a couple things that i did take issue with in the series were actually the radio related stuff yeah just 
just in general, I mean, you know, in these shows, they're not going to be super 100% accurate with everything that the they show's portray. Not about the, the show's not about the radio program. Yeah, but when Jessica ripped a mic right out of the shock mount, I that was probably my biggest reaction of of the series. Like, <gasps> like how could you do this? Like, that's a $700 microphone right there. Just ripping them during the show. I mean, oh, God, oh, man. that I feel so bad for the board op, who, by the way, was very cute. Yeah, and I felt kind of bad for that she's kind of pushed around a little bit by, by Jessica during those radio sessions. And then by Trish at the end with the... The flute playing <laughs> it abandons person. her. Oh, I'm just gonna hop out from my show. It's just like, like I'm go. not a host. I'm I'm the board op. That's why you have you're the lead of the show. You know what? I hope she did very well in that spot. And then I hope in the air check the next day we were like they were like you know what we're giving you your own show. Yeah, you're going on after her, so you get the greatest lead in possible. You're like, all right, fine. Yeah, and and then, and then I hope in season two of Jessica Jones, if there is a season two, that I hope she's an integral figure. Uh, and I, I doubt. They were they would not do a season two. I think everybody's had pretty much, a mostly besides the people that we mentioned that had issue with it. I think it's done resounding well, at least on Rotten Tomatoes when it came to the critics. And probably Netflix doesn't really release the like the views per their shows. They're very almost like HBO. They they play things close to the vest of like how many viewers they got. Versus like AMC, like Monday morning, like do you know how many people watch Walking Dead this much and stuff like that. And they're very proud about it. Also. Speaking of networks, this is supposed to be like on ABC initially. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it was ABC Studios that produced it. And I guess like afterwards they were like, no. Nah, uh, no. No. And then Netflix was just, and did, Marvel was like, fine, we're just going to put it on Netflix. I like, put some more nudity, let some more swearing in there. Because this probably wouldn't have, this wouldn't have been as effective and as powerful on a regular, the main three broadcast network. At least, like, they wouldn't be as explicit, which also, I, I wonder, as we brought up with the sex scenes in this show, do you think, because the fact that we're on Netflix, and they pretty much have, like, no limitations of what they can show, do you feel like they went too far with some of the violence in this show? No, I think you need to, when, when you're dealing with someone as crazy as Kilgrave, mm-hmm. it's not enough for him to just say, Stab yourself for every year that you abandon me. You actually have to show that so that, you know, you, you're you guaranteed that what he says is implanted into their brain. Along with the, whatever sharp instrument is in that person's hand wow. as well. As well, And it's like, like that moment where we find out Kilgrave's parents wanted to save their son's life because he had a... a something was wrong with his brain or something like that. Yeah. It was, and so they said this experimental drug or experiment to use on him. And they're like, sure, we'll do this to save him. They documented it with those, with those like 16 millimeter films that they, he had digitized. And then this microtrol thing, which is a side effect of it in which he used to his advantage. Now, when he was a kid, do you think he was that manipulative or you think he was actually on to saying like, I was just a kid and I didn't know what I was doing. Because he makes his mother, who's ironing at the time, burn her own face when he had a tantrum. Well, her, her face when he had a tantrum. I am, I'm not sure. I think that's... I think one of the things the show really was missing was an actual flashback to Kilgrave as a kid. One of the most effective scenes in Daredevil is when they flash back to Fisk Wilson's Fisk. 
uh, as a kid. And that made you, especially it fit in with Fisk's, Fisk's character as well, because it made him appear more sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but with with Kilgrave, I, I think they shouldn't have gone, you know, let's show a flashback so, so that he's more sympathetic. Let's show a flashback a flashback so we can see just how manipulative or evil he was even back then. Mm-hmm. And there's like one, there's one episode of the twilight zone where this kid has these powers and like his whole family's in fear of him and like he can make it snow. even though it's during the summer and stuff like that. And there's a moment where he's like, he has like his fam, like he's having his family, like his mother play the piano and everybody's like singing along too. And somebody like murmurs something. He stops everybody and says, what did you say? And everybody's on pins and needles. I wonder if it was a situation like that where he was just like, he was this much of a douche when he was a kid and he just like bullied his parents. That's why they ran away. Or was he just like scared? He didn't know what he was doing and then just had to learn from there. Well, I think it was out of necessity. I think his parents probably neglected him in a lot of ways, which he said. You know, as a result of all the testing and everything like that, and probably wasn't treated like a normal kid would be treated mm-hmm. in a lot of aspects. So he turned it around and used it, used his abilities to his own advantage. And then from that point, never developed a sense of morals or how you, you know, how you actually function and behave in society and thus never grew up from that. And then that's why we have the guy that we have. Who's like a petulant child at, at yeah. moments. And especially like there's one moment where he's on his laptop in the middle of a posh restaurant and everybody's talking in their normal conversation. Yeah. He's like, shut up! And everybody just goes no, quiet. Oh, no, Jessica! <laughs> and then he just goes back to tapping away on his laptop, like looking for um, houses and stuff like that. And like going back to what we were saying about violence, there's a few, like there's... Moments where he makes his, when he finally reunites with his mom and his dad, he makes his mom stab herself over and over after she tries to kill him. And then he tells his father to cut his own heart out, which he was stopped. There's another moment where he has his buddy be a courier for him to Central Park, does his duty, and he says, all right, we don't know what he's supposed to do. And he picks up these garden shears, opens his mouth, and he falls on top of him. And I'm like, oh! I'm like, they're not going to show it. They're not going to show it. And I'm like, oh, they showed it. Which, another tangent, there were a lot of other references to other movies that I noticed. One is, with that scene, there's a scene, uh, there's a movie called The Dead Zone, where Crystal Walken has the ability to see the future of a person if he comes in contact with them, a physical contact. And he finds out that there's been murders going on in his town and the deputy sheriff is guilty. So when they go to arrest him, he puts on this big raincoat and he takes out these like uh, haircutting scissors and he plants them on the uh, sink, puts his hands at the back of his head, opens his mouth and then thrusts and it cuts away. And I'm like, oh, then in Fargo, we see somebody getting put into a, uh, what was it? A... Um, you put like trees into it, like the uh, a wood chipper. Tim, can you stop? 
I'll, I'll stop in a second. I'll stop in a second. And then we see the fa- the hand, one of the arms of Kilgrave's father's in the uh, garbage disposal. It's still kind of jammed in there. And I'm like, oh my god, it's it's atrocious. But it was like, oh, I, I had to I had to laugh to make myself feel comfortable afterwards. And I think two of the other blatant ones was, um. What doesn't kill you makes you stranger. Oh, Jessica yes. says it once, and that's a reference to the Dark Knight. And then, because then Kilgrave corrects her, don't you mean stronger? And I'm like, ha ha, I see what you did there, son of a bitch. And then finally, when a character by the name of Simpson, who's been sleeping with Trish, who's a former cop, and part of this experimental soldier subplot, which will probably be paid off in the second season, is attacking him, and he starts knocking down the bathroom door, and it looks like The Shining. Yes. I was I was kind of waiting for him like to reach out and say, "Here's Johnny," reaching his hand through the doorway, the cracks of the doorway, and I'm like, "Huh, all right, I see what you're doing there. I'm seeing what you're doing there." Since we're bringing up Simpson, what do you think of his character? This is the latter part of the characters that nobody really, everybody's kind of shitheads from this point on. Yeah, starting with him. Um, he's a more asshole New York version of Harvey Dent. From the Dark Knight. Yeah, I can see that. He's, um... I don't know. At, f- at first, he starts off, you know... Obviously, his introduction scene is when he's under Kilgrave's influence and he tries to murder Trish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very nearly succeeds. And then, it's very apologetic after um, he stops being under his control and goes back to apologize to Trish when you think okay this guy's not that bad of a person but then within the next couple of episodes you know he wants to kill Kilgrave mm-hmm. Jessica is like nope we have to prove that hope is innocent first right? and then we can deal with him and he says no, we have to kill him immediately. And he realizes the threat that he actually poses to everybody around right. them. And I that's um you you could tell once they had that first disagreement with how to uh, go about stopping Kilgrave that he was going to eventually snap. Mm-hmm. And you know, because of the pills he um he was given to help save his life, it exponentially becomes an issue. Yeah, and like somebody said, like it's a failed version of Slade Wilson from Arrow, where who like started out as a good person and certain outside chemicals that's supposed to help him turns him into a bad person. It's one of those things that I could say a CW show did something better than a Netflix TV show where that gradual change into a bad character was done a lot better. As well as I think the actor who played Slade Wilson is a better actor than this guy. And I'm like, it was something I thought like something was wrong with his voice. I'm like, does he have like something like in his like mouth the entire time? It's a weird way of pronunciation. I'm not saying anything bad about the guy itself, like will will travel. Will travel. <laughs> 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 Is his brother's name Have Gun? Yeah, like, uh, like, oh my God! I'm just what, Have what Gun will travel. Boom, do 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 do. Um, I'm just like what and will <laughs> and it's just like um, it's a little bit like iffy things, and then 
it was something else that was really, that was really bothersome. Like, oh, when he's talking about any of his like his cohorts or any of the other, his squad members, they like, my boys, my boys died. My acting has gone, Shatner, <laughs> or or Nicholas Cage level of hamminess. And I'm just like, oh my god! I'm like, I hope he, he's gonna. Uh, he doesn't die at the end of this season, so he's definitely coming back to be uh, a problem later on. Which is, Chris, your what are your feelings on this character? I didn't like him. I didn't trust him, and I knew he was going to screw something up, and he did. And the only, actually, the only thing that about him that I enjoyed was when he took the pill, and then he started repeating words, words. Yeah. And he started like to have like a little bit of a short circuit about it. That it was, was like, kind of cool because I was like, "Oh, he feels so robotic already." I mean, <laughs> this is just this is so natural for him. But I, I, I eh, eh, yeah, I, I didn't like him. it was just one of those things. Like, all right, uh, less of him the better. And he does ends up screwing up a lot of things. He ends up killing one of the few characters that believe Jessica Jones and sets him on fire. And that was like one of the big shock moments when they did, like boom execute him and then they set him on fire. It almost seems like they were trying to ape that one scene where in Daredevil where um, oh, the reporter's name in Daredevil. Oh, that guy. Yes, I know. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph, for that <laughs> wonderful deduction. Oh, oh man, I, I can't remember his name. But you don't know his name, so why should I? Uh, you don't know it. I definitely don't know it. Ben. Oh, Ben Urich. Ben Urich. Ben Urich. Urich. Yurik, all right. Yurik, Yurik. It seems like they're trying to do a Ben Yurik thing with him, and it just didn't work because he wasn't given enough time. Like his death yeah. is supposed to be like, oh, and they should have done more of like a Lars Ulrich thing with him. You know, I uh, I really think we need to just like fucking just kill him because like it, it you sounds know, fucking stock, man. This so the series is so it's 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 a bit stock. You're uh, just saying that because you because you don't like it. You, you don't have anything else to really complain about. So that's why you're saying. It. I'm just saying. It sounds like it's fucking stock, man. Fuck. Metallica jokes. Fuck. Justin's very confused. Oh, we gotta make him sit down and watch some kind of monster one day. I'm searching for donuts. That's searching for donuts. Anyway, let's go on to another character before I get more infuriated. Um, Jerry. Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah I wish. Love him. Cool. Love him. Everything he's ever done. Jessica, how are we <laughs> supposed to prove that it's mind control? You, do <laughs> you just can't do that. You can't tell the police that it has mind control. Oh, no, 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 Jerry, that's real. <laughs> mind control. <laughs> it's real. Jerry, Jerry, I, 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 I don't believe Hope was under mind control. I'm sorry. That's my terrible stanza right there. If only Hope wanted a calzone, that would have hey, made it perfect. Hey, what, what, what's this I'm eating? <laughs> Costanza, what is this? Costanza! 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 <laughs> This is when people click off. They pause no, the podcast. No, this is when they want us to do a Seinfeld show. Oh, I mean, I have to watch the series first. Uh, have you seen any of the, any of the shows? I've seen the, a bunch of episodes. You we know, never watched like from beginning to end. Yeah. Hulu. Get on that. The whole thing's on Hulu. Really? Yeah. I mean, I have the DVDs, but I'm not letting you borrow them because wow. I couldn't possibly part with them. No, you gotta understand. If anything ever happens to my Seinfeld DVDs, that's like like he won't travel game. for those. <laughs> yes, Chris. <laughs> Moves the mic away from him. Let's talk about Carrie Ann Moss as as uh, Jerry Hogarth. 
I never thought I'd hear the name Hogarth outside the movie Iron Giant, but because the main character's name is Hogarth. It's been so long since I've seen that. Hogarth when I was five. Harry Potter. It's Hagrid. That's Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Which Harry Potter podcast coming soon? I started listening to the audiobooks. Oh, can, can I be a part of it? Maybe. <gasps> can I come in and say, isn't, isn't it supposed to be Hogarth? <laughs> Hogarth. We can talk about David Tennant and that too. Yes. Yeah. Well, you have to wait till Goblet of Fire, then you get there. Hello, <laughs> so Carrie Ann Morris's Jerry, who is like the biggest shark lawyer wise, I mean not she's not an actual shark. Plot twist. Series two plot twist. She can actually float underwater. She's a shark. <laughs> shark was it Shark King or King Shark? Shark uh, King, King Shark in the Flash. Or yeah, she sharks and such. And runs like I wish, I wish it was the same law firm that, um, that oh, uh, that, uh, that Matt Murdock turned down the yes. offer from, yeah. and Foggy. I, I wish it was that law firm, but because then it'd be like, oh, I see what did, I, see, I see what you did there, but sadly it wasn't. And it, she's pretty much like pretty much like that Jessica only knows Jerry because she's hired Jessica in the past to become just to do her private eye work to get dirt on and potential clients and such. And Jerry never does anything. She is so selfish, and then she only does things to serve. Like, I'll help you, Jessica. Wash your back so you won't stab mine. That's another another some kind of monster reference there. Justin, your feelings on her? First of all, when I first saw her character without knowing who player, I went. Is that Robin Wright? Because she kind of looks like her from House of Cards. If you look at how she, how um, Mrs. Underwood appears in season three of House of Cards, they're pretty much identical. But sadly, to my dismay, it was not Robin Wright. Uh, who was the actress? Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss, most famously known for The Matrix, playing Trinity. Right, yes. Um, I like how she played the character. The character herself, though, you know, prick. Yeah, she's a total prick. And it's just like one of those things you're just like, uh, like, do we really need her or anything like that? And you're like, uh, I guess so. And then she kind of... Well, you got to find a picture with her black I'm not hair. doing that right now. <laughs> I'll do that after the show. I'm being distracted enough by the internet as it is. So, and it's like, she does help Jessica agree to defend hope if she if she can find evidence for it she won't do it like a losing case because she's like i don't lose cases that like that's her mantra that she's probably never lost a case so i assume she sold her soul to the devil to do that because lawyers at least lose at least one case so and that she has this like relationship like like that she is an open she's an open lesbian with marital problems and like has she's been sleeping with her assistant and that becomes a plot point throughout the series and i feel like one of the problems i have with the series is that it seems like it keeps going on these weird tangents and this love triangle even though it's done exquisitely better than any of the cw love triangles still overall unnecessary do you agree you don't do a love triangle good justin i think had there have been some resolution to it. Which there wasn't. There I, I, wasn't. Because 
Okay, so pretty much, as you mentioned before, Hogarth's um, new girlfriend, mm-hmm. Pam, Pam, ends up murdering Hogarth's wife, Wendy, um, because Hogarth and Wendy both end up being Kilgraved, and it's true. Pam arrives to the scene, and you know just tries to stop. Wendy, and it gets Wendy like one, one with one good swing of a really heavy vase, and boom, kills Wendy. Which Wendy, she was a bitch. I'm sorry to say, she seemed like, like really, like I understand breakups are hard, and I assume divorces. Oh uh, yeah, a totally a woman scorned, but I think to such an extreme that she wants seventy five percent of the assets that Hogarth has done that that she has accumulated. I thought was a bit unnecessary and that she was so, I want to say belligerent is not the word, but she was, she dug her heels in so deeply that she could not be moved on anything. Because she was in love and then she was betrayed. You don't understand what that does to you. It makes you want to kill people. And send them to their grave. <laughs> but here's, here's the problem I have with that. Subway trains are a problem if you if you if your love's that powerful. Yeah. Th- thanks, Mister Underwood. Subway sandwiches. <laughs> that sandwich saved me. Here's the problem with Wendy's character is she's a doctor herself, and and she doesn't save people. I'm. It's. I mean, if you're a doctor in New York City, in Manhattan, no in way. Manhattan, you're probably making some pretty good money. We'd hope anyway. She so, may not live in New York on her own. Right. She probably needs, like, the help to live in Manhattan especially. But you probably don't need 75% of your for, former partner's assets worth. And then move it up to 90% at one point. Yeah. So, like, I can understand. If they had given, like, you know, if they had made Wendy's character, like... More like a Burger King. And not a Wendy's, but <laughs> I really hate you. <laughs> Next time we do these podcasts, I'm arriving with a lot of alcohol. I thought that like, that would be the really a funny one liner after what after Pam struck Wendy with the vase, like and the name McDonald's whack and just cracks her in the back of the head, like I should have dated Roy Rogers. <laughs> Jack in the Box never did this to me. <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, but we're we're led to believe that Wendy, you know, can survive on her own financially at least. Yeah, I mean. So why does she need all this money? It just makes She doesn't. Exactly. Right. Well, bitch. But I See, I I think what they were what they want to do with Wendy's character is make her like feel like she's being the victim but it never really comes across like that because you know that she's not dependent on uh, not financially dependent on Hogarth so it's like no we don't believe you just shut up even though she tries to justify saying like I I supported you through law school law school and everything like that and when you were doing nothing, when you had nothing, when you were starting out as a lawyer, and then you you are at this place now, 
obviously at the point when she became a partner at this prestigious law firm that she probably treated her well. And I'm sorry, people fall out of love sometimes. Even as Jerry is a terrible character as she is, I've, I assume those feelings are genuine, that she probably doesn't feel like she wants to be with Wendy anymore. That's why I feel like it starts out like that and it ends in this extreme way. Wendy feels that she's been deceived by this horrible woman with a horrible last name. Hogarth. But people in that situation usually do tend to make themselves out to be the victim, and then they buy into that more so than it actually is. Are you talking about scoring people in relationships? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I, I could see her being just that spiteful. But the fact that for every, you know... For every level of spite that Wendy reaches, Hogarth is there to counter it. That that fuels even more. That's how it gets up to, I want 75% of your assets. I want 90% of your assets. That's how it gets up there. And because you, you're dealing with two really stubborn people. And if you don't, I'm going to release that you probably jury tampered at one point in your life. And that's going to get you disbarred. And yeah, your livelihood will be destroyed. Yeah. And I'm just she's like, got, whoa. She's got, she's got dirt on her. Which, so, I mean, I, I understand you want to use it as a tactic, but she seemed so vehement about it, like, oh, I don't care. I'm still going to release this anyway. She seems so... Well, then she's she's a little bit nuts. Yeah. And it obviously comes to fruition when she says, I want a, a thousand cuts upon you. And when she gets her, her wish is slightly granted by Kilgrave's powers. That scene was horrifying. Yes, yeah. and it's like, and then she's counting off like sixteen, seventeen. I'm like, I, 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 I was just, I was just like, clutching myself. Like when when I see people get cut, or like when I see someone like have a knife to their throat or something in a show, I'm just like, no. Like, and, and I like, I like, I scrunch up, and I'm like, I hate that. I would, I would much rather be shot. You can shoot me all day, all right. I'd much rather be shot than be stabbed or even have a knife in my vicinity. I, I don't like knives. It's like one of those things like like in RoboCop, guy is doused with toxic waste and he's falling apart and, and a car hits him and he splits in half. It's funny. He's torn apart by a car. It should be horrific, but you laugh. But if you drag a knife off across somebody's finger, you're like, oh, oh. Or even if you like give someone a paper cut in between their fingers. And you're just like, that is the, I think that's the worst pain of all time. That and like cardboard cuts. You get cut by cardboard. It's really deep. And you're just like, oh, and then it's just, and she's getting nicked the entire time in that scene. You're just like, uh, please, will somebody kick it in the door right now and stop this because she it's, it's going to keep going on and on until I think I reacted worse than Hogarth did you just felt like being stabbed at that point just like uh really uncomfortable oh I also forgot I forgot to mention another movie references there's one point where Jessica convinces Kilgrave to help her save some people during a hostage situation and he uses his powers to get past the police guard and it's pretty much like almost like a line for line reading of the Star Wars episode four where Obi-Wan's like, we can go about our business. And they're like, all right, fine, move along. And they go past and Jessica even cracks like nice going Obi-Wan. And I, I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's really funny. I, I got a kick out of that one. Star Wars sucks. What? 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 What happened? I, 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 I thought I heard some bullshit fly through the air. I, I, I don't know what it was. Uh, that, that must've just been like some, some Hogarth stuff or whatever. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, the last... Face that wall forever. <laughs> forever. Oh, shame. Shame. I like how they got back to him later in that episode. <laughs> he's just still, still standing out there. there. He's just, and he's like, can I move now? I want to move. 
the last major character that we need to talk about is probably the next titular character of a Marvel TV show, Luke Cage. What are your feelings on Luke Cage throughout this entire series? He was a strange character because he's the first... Um, he's one of the first characters we meet. Uh, he appears in the first episode. He and Jessica hook up. And then stays around for a couple of episodes. And then just disappears until, I think, the very end of the third to last episode. So... You're sort of like, okay, he was a strange character while he was around. And then all of a sudden, he comes back. But um, I like how they tied everything with Jessica's backstory into his own story. Because what happens is the night that Jessica escapes Kilgrave's clutches um, is the night that Jessica accidentally murders Luke Cage's wife, punches her across a street, and she's dead. I never told you to kill her. I told you to take care of her. And then it's just like, oh, it's like salt on the wound right there. Like, you don't get to be really that. You can't weasel your way out of that um, right. That order. And the reason why um, Kilgrave wanted to find her and eventually um, taken care of was because she held the film, the file of the film of Kilgrave being experimented on when Which I wonder, how did she get a hold of that again? I think she worked for the company that, um, I think she worked for... IGH? IGH. Which is like one of those things that's never paid off. It's just like, she has it and she buried it and now we're digging it up and I'm like... Yeah, why is she buried in the first place? It's one of those threads that never is resolved, and I think that's like, yeah. I think like they, I think they're. I wouldn't say because my biggest criticism of Avengers: Age of Ultron is they're kind of like drunk on power. They can pretty much do anything. So they're like, we could just have an entire setup movie to the next Captain America and then Phase Three because that's my biggest problem with Avengers Two is like it's just all and most of it is setup. Despite Josh Whedon's like wanting to try to like, tell his own story, it seems like with this they like may know. Do the response of everything they've done this far, especially Daredevil, that they'll probably get a second series of Jessica Jones and say, we could pay this off later. Like, you say anything like Arrow and Flash, the first season, everything is pretty much tied up. There are certain things that, like, they're not too blatant to be paid off later. But, like, this one's, like, one of those things that's like, um, I like like an explanation. But it's one of those things that I wish was explained, but we never got. Luke Cage, I really enjoyed. I feel like when he was like full, like I'm Luke Cage mode and he's just like standing there, I just feel like he was kind of silly, just kind of like jutting himself forward to make himself look tough. And I'm like, I know you're tall and I think you kind of stand up so you don't have to kind of like lean forward, like trying to be scary. Um, I think the, the, the face off that her and Jessica Jones have in that nightclub is something that we wanted to see at one point. Like we need to see, can they really do damage to each other? And and I thought it was a really cool moment where she rips the door off the police car to defend herself as a shield. Now, in the first Captain America, when he finally gets his powers and he chases the first um, Hydra agent, he rips the door off a taxi cab and uses that as a shield. And I always thought that was, I thought that was kind of funny. I'm like, eh, that's a, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I thought that was kind of cool. Chris, what were your feelings on Luke Cage overall? You know, 
they didn't uh they really didn't do much within this series to make me like him. And I don't know why I feel that way. I just I never really I never really took to him as somebody that I like on this show. Um and he, also to what Justin said where he he like pieced out for like a whole bunch of episodes in a row. That's something that this show kind of did. I feel like they didn't just like, oh, we're going to check in on Luke just every episode for a minute just because we do that like most other shows do where they check in on everybody and you basically see everybody throughout every episode. This show is like when they needed to be on the, on the screen, they were. If not, they were kind of just you forgot about people for episodes at a time. Do you think that was a detriment though? No, I think it was good. Okay. Because if I had to see cutaways to fucking Hope Schlotman every episode, I would have been like, all right, all right, come on. Let's let's get real here. Hope, Hope was another one that I didn't. I, didn't, I, didn't I also, care thought, for I also thought that her her being named Hope was kind of on the nose. Yeah, I kind of thought like like oh we gotta hope out that everything works out and that the Jessica's a good person because her name's Hope. Wink, wink. Symbolism. What's the symbology there? And, and it's just like the symbolism. What is the symbolism, symbolism there? With Luke Cage, I just feel like I kind of want an Iron Fist, Iron Fist show more now than Luke Cage. Because one of those things I thought was going to be a problem with Jessica Jones is if he is so tough and like he's been burned alive, he takes a shotgun blast to the chin and he's fine. How It's probably one of the why it's hard to write for Superman. How do you make com- convincing conflict for him on an episode-to-episode basis? Right. And... It's one of those things where problem with like Lou Cage's character is like, oh, my wife was murdered and that's why that's driving me like I don't get involved with anybody. Don't you think it's kind of convenient that Jessica is the one that murders her in a city of eight million people and growing? Do you feel like it's a little convenient that she happens to kill the wife of the person she's stooping at the time? Well, isn't isn't Jessica involved with Luke because she's she's trailing him because she killed his wife but no but then she has that shocking moment when she opens the medicine cabinet and discovers the photo of her in it so she does oh yeah that's right so she doesn't realize i think so maybe it was did she get a sense that I, so what what other reason would she have to, to follow him i thought i thought she was telling the truth about her that she was hired to follow that woman that he was sleeping with at the time but then she says my husband never hired a private eye and now he's just going to get a few of his buddies to uh, tune up Luke Cage so she has to know something about Luke yeah which she knows something and she's obviously been following him for a while do you you think she somehow it's like a subconscious thing where you when you're under Kilgrave's control you don't remember details of things but you have a sense of what was going on so maybe there was something involving Luke that she had a sense of and she was drawn to him to his location and then she put the pieces together and when she opened the medicine cabinet. Maybe. Maybe. And that's why when it finally clicks for her why she's been following him when she finally sees that photo. I just thought that was kind of lazy to kind of create conflict between the two of them. Yeah. And it's like one of those things that like everything is connected like that. And I'm like, all right. It's a little iffy. Now, okay, so we're, since we're going down a little bit of a negative path, what are your biggest problems with this series? I I think I touched on all of my problems with the series when I discussed which characters I really didn't feel strongly about and why. Um, 
wasn't really any story issues that I had. I thought the story was great. Um, there were a couple characters that I just I didn't really feel anything for, and there's a couple characters that I just flat out didn't like, like Ruben and whatever the girl was, Robin. Robin. Um, but they served a purpose. I think every everything served a purpose, and I don't really have many critics. I didn't think the show was boring at all, so I don't know what the fuck people are talking about. I don't know. I, I didn't find the show boring ever at all. I thought except except for sometimes when the uh, the the neighbors were on the screen. Do you think the show went on too long? No. no. The show could have gone on for 22 episodes. I don't know. I thought it could have been 10 episodes. Yeah? I thought it could have been like, because it's like he escapes for the second time and it's just like, all right, now you're on the trail. Oh, wait. Neighbors. Oh, wait. Luke. Jerry. All right. Yeah, I could see. I, I could see that. I wonder if it was like one of those things that Netflix says that it has to be at least thirteen episodes, and it was one of those things that the one th- reason why I I question that uh, bring that up is because with Daredevil, Daredevil didn't know who Fisk was, and he had to go through different levels of all the connections of all the other mobsters that had to deal with him. He had an entire organization to get through for him to have that confrontation with Fisk at the end. That's why that payoff was so strong, and that's why all that story was 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 like all nice and everything like that. With this, she knows who she knows who the villain is, and it's like we have these several plans to try and stop him, and it doesn't work. It's like, oh, we got him in the cage. He's not going to go anywhere. He's out. Oh, he's actually in my, he's bold enough to be in my apartment. I knock him out. Should be fine. He escapes again, and it just felt like if it was maybe eleven episodes or ten episodes, maybe it could have been. I think it could have been a little bit tired because at one point I'm like. Maybe it's because I wanted to finish it before to do this podcast. Maybe and I was just like, uh, it didn't seem as taught to dare as compared to Daredevil for me. That that could just be me. I'm not too sure. Well, you look at these things through the eyes of a filmmaker. I'm just a guy who's watching a show that he really enjoys. Yeah, and then at the end of it, I'm like, that's it. No, come on. More, oh yeah, more, I was saying, by the end of it, I'm like, I'm like, shit. I gotta wait at least six months until Daredevil season two now, and yeah, I'm like, and so... I'm like. And I'm like, I'm look. Of course, I'm looking forward to Captain America: Civil War. And I'm like, I'm more interested in their TV shows right now than their movies. You know, I wish I was looking forward to Captain America: Civil War, but I just don't give a fuck about the Avengers anymore. I never did. I never liked the Avengers. Uh, I, li- we, I like Captain America. I like Iron Man. I don't care about any of them, any of the others, and I don't care about them collectively. But will you still go see Civil War? Since they're both probably not. Ahead? Really? I haven't. I haven't seen anything since Iron Man three. Hmm. I'm just not interested in the cinematic universe. Like I just I if you see care less. if you see one, see Ant Man. Ant Man was least enjoyable, and it was his own movie, and it's a heist movie, as well as it's it's a lot of fun. It's very it has moments of like Ocean Elevens, Ocean's Eleven, and I I don't need to have seen anything else really. No, I think it's enough exposition on its own that it can stand. All right. Like the like the one thing is that you see like the new Avengers location that's shown at the end of Avengers two. That's the only thing. Yeah, because I I saw the first Avengers and I was just like, it's lost on me. I don't, I don't. Because you said before you enjoyed Man of Steel more than Avengers. Yeah, which I yeah, and it's one of those things that like I want to do a Man of Steel podcast, but I have friends who are vehemently hate it, and then I have people like you who really enjoy it, and I'm like. Do I invite everybody? Well, and, that's, that's the and first, keep all sharp objects out of the room. That's and, the first Superman thing I've ever really a given a chance and b allowed myself to enjoy because I've never been a Superman guy. So right. 
but I enjoyed I enjoyed Man of Steel quite a bit. I saw it twice actually. Um, the Avengers for me was just like just felt like a big spot fest in wrestling. There's a term called a spot fest where oh we're just gonna do one spot after another and boom 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 action things. That's what it was to my eyes. To maybe a more trained eye and someone who cares about these characters and how they all intertwine, maybe it would be you know obviously obviously it's something greater because everybody thinks it's it's the greatest the bees knees movie but to me i don't know i enjoy these these netflix shows a lot better than anything else that marvel does aside from i really liked captain america movies yeah and i i like the the iron man movies i love spider-man and he's gonna been he's been away from all this but he's gonna be in civil war i don't know if that's enough to get me to catch up on things but we'll see Uh, there's a meme i share on facebook and it's like all the big like screenshots from the the civil war trailer and just has crap crap (laughs) crap and it cuts to jay jones saying i want uh, shots of (laughs) spider-man and i'm like i can't and i said like i can't wait for like the next trailer we're gonna see somebody pull up a gun and a spider web is gonna rip their weapon out of their hand you're gonna be like and then it's gonna end you're like oh the best meme i saw about that is spider-man is not shown in the civil war trailer clearly spider-man is kylo ren (laughs) (laughs) oh jeez um your feelings on your criticisms of jessica jones as a series I think it, it does suffer from, um, you think, you think it's going, you think this is going to be the resolution of the series and then, oh, something went wrong and it's not. So yeah, I think there is too much of that, almost, you know, sort of like the false endings in Return of the King. Yeah. Like, here's how it's going to end. Nah, just kidding. And, and another of the criticisms, like I have, like other than, then I feel like the story was not strong enough to hold the thirteen episodes. Like, I feel like it seems like Daredevil. Like, the one thing I equated to is like with the James Bond movies. If there's time in between movies, like a couple years, the movie that returns is usually really strong. And then the movie immediately after is like two years later is not as strong as after because they haven't had enough time to develop the story wise and make it as tight as possible. I feel like Daredevil is like it was in development for a while. And mm-hmm. when it came out, it was pitch perfect. And with this, it seems like they had an idea and they were like, oh, we can get this out. And they got out as fast as possible. They did a fantastic job with it. It's just in comparison to Daredevil, it wasn't as well constructed. Well, here's the thing. the This was supposed to, I think be released in February 2016. Right. And I moved it up to a week ago. About a week, a week ago. ago. <laughs> and... <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to say that because this is recording. It's one week since the, the season has dropped. And really, I'm not sure. Was it pushed up because they just got done with it quicker? Or was it pitched... Or was it pushed up because we've got to get this out quicker? It, it's one of those questions that you raised that, like, it's like, all right, maybe it's like, we can do this. Like, they felt bold enough that they can get this done. And it, and it just definitely seemed like. Or would, would it have been, I don't want to say the word better because it's pretty damn good already. But Yeah, no, I'm saying it's a bad would show. Would these like issues that. have been less apparent if it, it had. Get, if it had been given 
the extra two months. If Kilgrave was not the only villain in it, would you think that made the story a little bit better? Like, if maybe, like, like his Fisk had Wesley and he had his underlings. Right. Kilgrave was by himself and whoever he was controlling that day. Do you feel like if there was somebody else that was, like, a threshold guardian that Jessica had to get through to Kilgrave, do you think that would have made the show better? I think so. Because, basically, uh, I believe in Daredevil when Wesley dies. I think it's like... Episode 9, 10, something like that? Yeah, it's like either the fourth to last or third to last episode where that happens. And if you compare that to Jessica Jones, I think the third to last episode is right after he escapes from that soundproof room. Yeah, and you're just like, all right. How are they going to get him now? What right. What's his big plan? It, it's uh, another thing is that like Fisk had a plan, and he had an intention what he wanted to do. Kilgrave seemed he had a plan, but it wasn't and like it was refreshing. It's like I want to control the world with my power and stuff like that. It wasn't like he wanted to, the love and affection of one person, mm-hmm. which I I commend because that's not the same villain plot that you. Oh you, yeah, we, we we only need another arrow where oh it must be May. Yeah, I I, I, I got to be destroying Star <laughs> City now. Um, and I love the fact of his plan that he buys the old house that she lived in, redecorates it the exact same way how she left it. That was creepy. And I'm like, oh, it was so unnerving. Which also, was that like, I'm trying to think, was that out here on the island? Was that here? Was that in Jersey? I'm not sure. I because I saw New York plates in one of the parts. Subconsciously to myself, I was thinking more upstate, like Westchester. Yeah, but it that was could never specified said in the storyline. So it could be Long Island, it could be Northern Jersey, it could be Connecticut anywhere. For, for that Connecticut matter, too. Yeah. Although if it had New York plates, then if there were New York plates in residential Connecticut, then it's probably. Probably not the case. It's probably not Connecticut. Yeah, because it's one of those things that's like, I wonder if, like, because I, I just love to be proud, like, yay, it's on Long Island, yay. It's probably three door, like, a couple neighborhoods away from Spider Man and Queens, and stuff like that. Because I thought this, like, this could look like Nassau if it really yeah. wanted to. It actually, that reminded me a lot of, um, of something in, in Mr. Robot, where I'm not going to say any spoilers for you because you haven't seen it, but uh, a character visits a childhood home on Long Island, and it's like, it's it's a similar vibe to it. There were certain things like that, like the really creepy aspects of, of the show that remind me of Mr. Robot, which if anybody hadn't seen that show, they should watch it because it's the best show on television. Just saying. You're, you're being really subtle right now, Kilgrave. You want me to... I'll watch Mr. Robot for you, you. You will watch Mr. Robot, and then we'll do a podcast about it, because I've been dying to do a podcast about Mr. Robot. All right, I make a promise to you I will watch Mr. Robot. That's the next thing I'm going to watch. Okay. Watch it right now. We're in the middle of the... Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, just like the rest of the podcast is just quiet, and then you hear me react to it. You have a little bit of the audio playing through. <laughs> is it on Hulu or Netflix or... I'm pretty what? sure USA has it on demand either through the website or like something. I don't know. Okay. But I'll check. I, I do know that my friend recently watched it all. So okay. you can find it. It's out there. It's an internet. It's yeah. an internet. Can we watch it on tube.isis? <laughs> you can watch it on <laughs> uh, You can watch it through ISIS. Yes. Um, now we're on some sort of list because we said ISIS on our podcast. Yes. So 
Anyway, um, what I was saying about, do you feel like this show could have used another villain besides Kilgrave, like we're saying, to maybe make the padding of the show, if there is padding, do you think it would have made it a little bit better? I think it could have used the Wet Bandits. <laughs> we're the Sticky Bandits! S-T-I-K! And... <laughs> That's the only way I think you make the show better if you put the the wet bandits. <laughs> Home Alone two. Oh, I forgot. You only saw the first Home Alone. And you didn't like it because you saw it as an adult. How do you not like the first Home Alone? We watched it together. It's a masterpiece of modern film. I never said I disliked. I just didn't think it was all that cracked up to be. Great as I mean, really, up until the final, you know, attempt on the house. It really what? was just... It's one of the most quotable movies of all time. We may have to do a Home Alone commentary for Christmas and just us shoot argue... Uh, argue. Shoot her! Shoot, I'm trying to shoot her! Um, anyway, Jessica Jones. Um, shoot her! All right. Now let's talk about the... Since we talk about the negatives of it, let's talk about our favorite parts of it, whether it be specific moments or just ideas presented. Justin? Gilgrave. <laughs> which I, I'll agree I think he's probably the best Marvel villain they have I'm sorry Tom Hilson is Loki I think I that's, ten... that's a tough call but then again you gotta think of the time invested in Kilgrave versus I mean I think my argument has been for the past couple of months that the reason why I, I'm liking so many comic book shows versus movies is you have more time to devout to certain characters as well as it's more in line with a monthly arc when it comes to comic books it's like, since they're monthly like oh we gotta have a new story 22 episodes a season or 13. I'm like, that's a lot more story. And I can get a lot more entertainment out of versus a two hour movie every two to three years. That's true. And other than Kilgrave, what is your, probably your favorite parts of this show? Um, silence. I like silence. Uh, we'll come back to you. it's it it, yeah it's a good show yeah it's it's a good show it's a good book it's a good book (laughs) it's a good show and and i liked it and i i liked the the people on the show except for the people i didn't like (laughs) (laughs) you you know what you cracked the earth with that description, sir. You have won the internet today. No, I, I, I liked, uh, I enjoyed the show. As did I, and... Ooh. It's hard to mention, like, you know, what my favorite part of the show was. Without, I mean, yes, David Tennant as Kilgrave was really good. And I think probably the favorite... Or my favorite scene was when um, they track him down to that club and um, Luke Cage is with her. Mm -hmm. And you're expecting, okay, this is going to be the big showdown. And there's that twist that Luke Cage has been controlling, has been under Kilgrave's control throughout the entire episode and it's just like like oh every all the nice things they said it's actually just been through kill as kilgrave's ideas are being presented through him and it's one of those things that 
makes it like just so damn evil that you just feel like that he's willing to like all those times like people who know Jessica come up to her like the neighbor who was like when they were having breakfast outside comes up like oh you're like dating like oh come come sit down tell me about my Jesse and stuff like that and you're just like oh yeah and you just you know, on pins and needles like how is this gonna go and then that she blows herself up at the end at the end of that episode and I'm like oh okay um and his boys got hurt. And his boys, my my boys, my boys got hurt. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Let's talk about a lot of these episode endings, because yeah, the first one has that really insane twist. But you texted me about this earlier. This show, pretty much every ending, is like. It's like it's all like you could say a like stunning plot twist or something like that. And I wouldn't like to say it's a plot twist. It's just like one of those things that like not like revelation theater, but it's just like shocking theater where there's moments where it just immediately hits you. Like I think the moment that hit me the most was when I was texting you early in the day. Is that Jessica has spent the night in her old house and wakes up and sees the memories of her old family talking to her. Like it's like nothing's going on, and then. The, her brother immediately starts bleeding from the head and they start yelling at her. And then I, I text you like in all caps. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, and, and I literally yelled it out loud because I was just so unnerved by it. I'm like, whoa, I was not expecting that. And I was just like, not, not even the gore factor, but it was just so intense. And like one of those things that like out of left field that really hits you. And you're just like, it's kind of like in Daredevil when the guy speaks the name of Fisk and he immediately impales his head on that piece of rebar. And you're like, oh, oh, oh whoa, whoa, okay. I'm now, <laughs> I'm not trusting this episode from now on. You're just like, you know, you just kind of like relax. Like, oh, Jerry and Wendy are fighting. Oh, all right, yeah, I, okay. I guess I can creak my chair and I'll be fine. And then all of a sudden something like that hits you. What was your probably your favorite episode ending? I th- I would have to say probably the escape from the cell would have to be mine. That he that was pretty good because it it ends with the realization that Kilgrave can't control Jessica anymore, yeah. which they as we said they played out that Jessica no Jessica over and over again <laughs> to the point where like why are you showing me this again this better be paid off with all this setup it has to be and they finally do and it's like oh that makes sense and now we're just gonna we're gonna text each other in all caps like <laughs> no with a bunch of W's and then Jessica um and then like like the mother who I felt so bad for and then like that she stabs herself like 30 yeah. times and you're like oh no 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 and then the father wants to cut his own heart out because his um because Kilgrave told him and oh one of the things I told you before the podcast started when we saw him that when Kilgrave shows you the, the some of the footage of him being experimented on him putting the shapes back together after the experiment has been done to him and, he's, and it's supposed to show how his his uh, his skills of like puzzle solving has like kind of like okay he's kind of back to normal the pattern of how that puzzle is at least i at least i saw that on his his shirt when he was in the prison cell kind of like through the purple it was like really black and stuff like that and i'm like huh 
I wonder if that was purpose or it was just serendipitous. I do not know. I just one of those nice little details that I, I thought was really cool. Do would you say that that ending was your favorite episode ending through the entire series? Or do you have something else that's in mind? Um. Well, I finished it last weekend, so nothing's jumping out to me that I remember in in great detail. The the ones that I do remember are that and the first episode. Um. Which the ending of the first episode, I was like, "All right, let's go, rolling up the sleeves, let's do this, let's watch the show." Um, All right, that let's, got go, me... let's get do it. All right, <laughs> All right and that got me hyped up. Uh, maybe the first one. I mean, that was a pretty sweet ending too. And then I had that freak out moment when I realized that Trish almost could have killed herself. And you're like, um, <gasps> "Okay." And, and then you get to you get to see the sweet. No, Jessica. Which I think we've done it on this podcast as many times as they've played it, which uh, was the goal there. I'll see if somebody's uploaded the YouTube right now, uh, later on. A super see. cut. Of just... Yeah. What were you going to say, Justin? Did, um, the episode where Jessica takes the, um, the rage pills. Jessica doesn't Trish. take... Trish takes the rage Trish, pill. Yeah, Trish takes the rage pill. Did they resolve her safety by the end of that episode, or was that a cliffhanger? I can't remember. I think that was a cliffhanger. I think the next episode opens with her in the ambulance. And then she gets a shot of adrenaline or whatever, something to, to calm her down. And uh, and she's totally like, uh, there's one moment that annoyed me. Like she took the pill and she's like, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I'm like, you, you do realize he was being truthful saying you need to take those downers. To, you have know to remind me of what? Donna Noble. I'm fine, I'm fine. And she starts to have a mental freak out. And like, oh, man. Everything is like, oh, no. Oh, like, this is totally going to just come back and bite her. And now, now we're coming to the end of this podcast. What do you hope for in Daredevil Season 2, next season of Jessica Jones? And what other te- what other characters decide to part- be part of the Defenders on Netflix? I hope in Daredevil Season 2, they still occasionally cut back to, <laughs> even if it makes no real story sense uh i would still appreciate it i don't know about you i might actually just cue that up on my own and just at a key moment just pause the actual episode and just go uh, just just for the familiar feeling yeah no i don't know um i'm I, i'm looking forward to the universe expanding um i'm excited about punisher and daredevil season two um i'm, I'm excited to learn about iron fist whom i know nothing about which I don't know if he's still getting his own series or not. It's I think uh, he is. okay because it was in question. It was in question that if he was going to get it or not, due to the fact that a lot of the stuff has to be with Doctor Strange, which is uh, they're doing their own movie and next November. I did hear that um, the Luke Cage series will be much different in tone from Jessica Jones, which <laughs> it's a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> It's just him and his bartender buddy. It's pretty much like Seinfeld. Norm! <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Luke Cage, how's it going? Oh, uh, you know, beer. <laughs> Imagine if it was like a Western, just for, for no reason. Just oh, just my God. Black cowboy. What just... happened to New York City? It went west. <laughs> He just—he does—he's part of a hootie, the blowfish cover band. <laughs> like, Jessica, I only want to be with you. you punish me? Looks a Frank Castle in the eyes. Is he downing scotch or something like that? <laughs> 
Justin, what are you looking forward to in the next couple series that are coming through Netflix? I definitely want to want Jessica Jones season two as soon as possible. Of course. I, I actually did enjoy this more than Daredevil. Really? Maybe it's just because my David Tennant obsession. But... Um, You're David Beanstalk? <laughs> David Snapping like a douchebag. <laughs> oh God, that's gonna give me nightmares more than anything else. But this is this is actually this has not been confirmed. But I'm going to tell you this is how Jessica Jones season two is going to end. They're going to resurrect Kilgrave somehow, and the last the last scene. Of season two, it's just gonna be no Jessica. Cliffhanger. It's like it's like uh, uh, and you're like oh. She'll realize that he's been resurrected, and then she'll have that flashback. He'll probably she'll probably Kilgrave will probably be resurrected on Arrow this season. <laughs> <laughs> just Constantine to come back. Let's be honest. He's 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 crossing universes and companies here. <laughs> Malcolm Merlin just thinks it's a good idea to resurrect it with their Lazarus pit. Oh boy! Oh, that would work because it's Barrowman. Hey, because he was on Doctor Who with David. It all comes together. You know, Kilgrave's existence in the Arrow universe would really explain Felicity a lot. That irresponsibly be the worst person humanly possible. For sure. At more, more importantly, it would explain all the stupid fucking shit that Laurel has done the past three seasons. That's also very true. And like, he, I, I just like to imagine I've lost he, control. he met the Lance family at some point and be like, none of you will ever trust each other at the same time. And you will all keep secrets from each other. Keep secrets from each other. Be just unreasonable. Just completely unreasonable. Run to alcohol if you have to. <laughs> and you have a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what if David Tennant as Kilgrave found out that Alex Kingston was the Laurel, was the Lance's mother? Let's leave it at that. Aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aliens. Literally. Somebody, somebody did that with, like, made an Ingvi Malmsteen meme out of that. Like, (laughs) aliens. Aliens. I mean, new God. Forgot about, <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. I just broke Tim on his own podcast. You do God. I showed one interview to that to Becky. She's like, oh, my God, this guy's a douchebag. I'm like, totally. Check me out. I'm amazing. Holy shit. Chris Spe- speaking of music, um, there there's one other issue I have with the series. Um, now, in the trailers, all right, or the teaser or whatever, there was a song that I thought very much fit what I was seeing visually. Uh, it was called it's called Thousand Eyes by Of Monsters and Men, and it's in the it's in all the promotional material for the series. And I thought, oh, this is great. This is gonna be the theme song, right? And it's not. Instead, we get some jazzy hippity bebop. Thing that doesn't really fit. I, I don't think of jazz when I think of Jessica Jones. Because it's know? a film noir, like it's a detective story. Jazz has been linked to film noir for years. I think that's why they decided to do with that. Yeah, I, I can I can see that, and and those type of songs usually make good intros for things. But I was like, no, I want this other song because it fits so much better. Jessica and I, and I, and I 
<laughs> and I actually like took the intro video of it and like muted the actual intro song and played, and played the other song. And I was like, this would be incredible if it was it. Now I'm gonna have to do that. Was this podcast? So we're gonna have to do that. It's because I love I love that song that they they used in the in the promotional materials. I actually think the song is what sold me on the on the series going in mm-hmm. is what got me ramped up because I was like, well, here we go. You know why that wasn't the theme song actually? Kilgrave didn't want it to be. That's why. See, now that makes sense. You, now I now I totally understand why they didn't do that. <laughs> Kilgrave is a beatnik. Yes, totally. Now. I hope for like season two of Daredevil to be even better than the first season. The same thing with Jessica Jones. I hope Luke Cage is good. I hope they give Luke Cage enough to for him to hold his own show. Yeah. And not just be like it's not like one of those like one of the Marvel movies like Thor the Dark World. That's because we have months until Captain America the Winter Soldier. I guess I should go and watch it. Now that I have, I think I'll never watch it again. I hope it doesn't go like that way with Luke Cage and they just become lazy in these series. I hope they keep this quality up. I'm just really excited to see what what season two is going to be like. Same thing with Daredevil. I can't wait to see the Punisher in this universe because Punisher is my second favorite superhero behind Batman. So I'm just like, so I'm just like, because I feel like he's Batman pushed over the edge anyway. So. If anybody wants to follow any of these people that are on this podcast on social media, Justin, where can they find you on social media? You will follow me at Justin Solo on Twitter. That's a really, really original name. How'd you come up with that? Was it first, was it AKA Justin Cirillo, and then you, then you just shortened it to Justin Cirillo? Uh, some man wearing purple told me to make that my handle. Oh. He handled you for sure. <laughs> Did he tell you to make that joke? <laughs> it's, it's the only it's the only explanation for my shitty jokes. <laughs> Pick up that coffee. Now spill it on your face. You can't see the mic movement going on during the recording of this podcast. I hope it, but... I hope it's not too noticeable just, just swinging back and forth cuz I can hear it on my headphones but I hope it's not too noticeable. I hope it's just the chord that I'm hearing. <laughs> Put a, put a high pass filter on the on the audio. There we go. Um, what? If they want to find you on social media, if you no, want to, leave me alone. Okay. Don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to talk to you. Okay. Can Unless you, you agreed with any of my points and you just want to tell me how how poignant and how uh, how astute they were and and how right on the money I was with everything and uh, and and how much you you enjoyed the sound of my voice, maybe. Maybe you've heard me on other podcasts and, and you longed for the days that my voice would invade your ears again. Then you can tell me that. I mean, that would be that'd be cool. So you're not going to give them out. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're, they're, they're going to have to be a detective and like Jessica Jones and find out where the hell you are. Well, they would know. In that case, they would know. If you know if you know who I am, then you know who I am. That's true. Okay. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Timothy Rooney too. Because some bastard took the first Twitter handle. Asshole. You should be AKA Timothy Yes. <laughs> I, I may just do that from now on. Um, you can follow, Like I said, you can follow me on Twitter at Timothy Rooney 2. You can follow my YouTube page through the Lens Productions. My latest short film, Halloween Reborn, is up. My next short film is coming up. Hopefully, it'll be out by this Christmas if everything goes well. Christmas. <laughs> it'll be another horror movie, and it's going to be a lot darker, and it's going to be an original take. It's not going to be a fan film. So if anybody wants to follow this podcast, you can obviously follow us on SoundCloud. And hope everybody's enjoyed this episode of Anything Goes, and I'll talk to you soon.
Anything went. Good night, Justin. <laughs>